I chose this topic because I couldn't wrap my head around the fact that, you know, in 2022, we are still working the same amount of hour of the 90s, of the 80s. I was like, how is that possible that with the whole proper uh, technology revolution that we had in the last 20 years and we all the new working tools that we have nowadays I couldn't understand how come that our days are still you know following the rhythm of these eight hours of these nine to five jobs this week I'm very appreciative to have as my guest Carlotta Dal Pozzo Carlotta is an Italian woman based in Berlin with a passion for everything related to occupational psychology and company's culture. Taking her first steps into innovative ways of working, she's an advocate of a reduced working week. As more and more companies are struggling with the great resignation, I feel it is particularly important to learn more from different generations about their expectations regarding to the future of work. In this episode, I speak with Carlotta about her recently finished bachelor's thesis in psychological science about debunking the myth of the nine to five working hours. I found it very interesting to have with Carlotta another guest who has written a university thesis about various aspects of flexible work. To me, it follows the trend of many surveys that offering various modes of flexible work is increasingly expected as a given to attract and retain talent. Carlotta told me about her research regarding various European case studies and theoretical models. She also shared her personal observations regarding work in Germany and Italy. Welcome to the show, Carlotta. Thank you. Thank you, Karin. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. And now for people who are listening to us from all over the world, could you tell them, please, where are you calling in from? And is there a site or food that is particular for your area? Yes, so I'm calling you from Berlin. I'm lucky enough to call this city my hometown since eight years ago, and I wouldn't change it for anything else. And, you know, being Italian, it's difficult to say to choose a, <laughs> a favorite food from Germany, but definitely uh, there are many, many wonderful sites here. It's also difficult to, to choose a favorite one from there, but from here. But I would say, you know, that any landscape you could have in summertime with a beautiful sunset on the river, that's, that's really a sweet, sweet spot in, in Berlin. Thank you so much. I was, um, you know, in Berlin a few years ago, and I remember it just looks with the river. It's just beautiful on the buildings, old and new combined. It's just a very amazing sight. Yes. It's true. Yeah, yeah. It's a special, special thing from, from the city to really see the, the comparison between new and, and old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So now, Carlotta, you recently finished your um, bachelor thesis in psychological science about debunking the myth of the nine to five working hours. 
I'm curious, what made you decide to write your thesis about this topic? Yeah, so I chose this topic because I couldn't wrap my head around the fact that, you know, in 2022, we are still working the same amount of hour of the 90s, of the 80s. I was like, how is that possible that with the whole proper Uh, technology revolution that we had in the last 20 years and we all the new uh, working tools that we have nowadays I couldn't understand how come that our days are still you know following the rhythm of these eight hours of these nine to five jobs so I wondered um, why we didn't have any revolution in working time as well, and also what could be the consequences, what could be the impact of changing the working time in different uh, aspects of our working and private life. That sounds so interesting. And now, you know, your thesis is in Italian, and I'm super appreciative that you translated for me the titles of the chapter. So can you um, give our listeners an overview of like, you know, you have a theoretical part and a more practical part. So can we start with your theoretical part? For sure, for sure. So in the first uh, half of my thesis, I um, focus more on the definition of working time. So what are, you know, the most common uh, examples and varieties of working time contracts that you could have nowadays. Then I also um, focus a little bit on the historical development of uh, the working hours after, you know, the, the big um, fights and revolution that we had after the industrial revolution, of course. Uh, and then on a final part, and I think it's one of the most important of the thesis, I tried to um, focus on what could be the uh, concrete impact of a change in working time, in uh, productivity, percentage of occupation, and then the work-life balance, mental and physical health, climate change, and of course, also on gender equality. So it was uh, with great pleasure that I could see that uh, a decrease in working time could have really, really positive impacts in almost all of these um, of these criteria and aspects. Uh, for example, in productivity, we know that for uh, many different kinds of job, especially so really, really repetitive jobs and, and, and mentioned, um, the last hour of the working day, it's completely useless. The researches that I looked at They took as a reference of productivity the number of calls that could be done in a call center, and they could see that if uh, you could avoid to work the last hour of a day, in the end of the week, the productivity would stay the same or it would actually increase. 
Then also in terms of occupation, it's pretty logical to say that if you decrease the working time of one employee, then at some point you will have to create new job positions and so increase the level of uh, occupation. But we have to say that in this case, this whole process should be supported by the government and the social institution is not something that could be paid 100% by the, by the employer. And then also work-life balance, of course, which I think goes hands to hands with health. Um, I mean, it's also pretty uh, forward to think that having more time for ourselves to spend however we want it could be education it could be uh, for traveling to spend more time with our families or just to relax in the end it would have a really good impact on the, on the overall uh, satisfaction and motivation of an employee then in matter of health uh, i think we can safely say that um, to decrease uh, the amount of hours work could be directly connected with a better physical health, mental health, uh, a really um, high amount of hours worked is directly connected with higher cases of burnout, which is a pretty silent, I think, uh, pandemic that uh, we are working in the, uh, we are having in the last years. And also, um, I think it's worth mentioning that uh, something that Corona and working from home uh, showed us is that um, also in terms of climate change, you know, not having to go to the office and uh, rethinking a little bit the uh, work structure we are used to could have a really good impact in terms of you know consumption and also and sustainability also i a pretty uh, important topic for me that i enjoyed touching uh, in this theoretical part of my thesis is the gender equality so how reducing the working time could have a good impact on the level of, of occupation of women and how having, uh, let's say, a spread part-time could give the opportunity uh, to women to not having to choose between a career or having a family and also being able to share in a more, in a more adequate way the uh, non unpaid labor that we have to that we have to to sustain i'm curious you know how your research might have been influenced did you switch it or did you you know maybe add something because of you know your research happening during the pandemic yeah exactly so um, for, i i wished uh, i could put something more, more inputs uh, of what were the effect of the pandemic on this topic. But unfortunately, the studies were, you know, pretty fresh. They weren't really reviewed. So I prefer to not put in them there. But I think it's pretty clear to us that also, you know, working from home opened our eyes under many aspects and also 
putting us face to face to the topic, okay, my productivity is not directly affected by the hours at work. I could work two hours in the morning and then have two hour break and then work again four hours in the afternoon or even at night if I am pro- more productive at the point and what could, should matter in the end of the day, it's just my productivity and finding way to be the most productive. Yes, yes, yes. I, I, I completely agree. Yeah, I, I have to admit I'm somebody who likes to work late at night, always have been. And, you know, doing this from a home office makes life much easier. And then also the, the time that one can save not having to drive or to take public transport to, to go to work. It's always, I think it's also, you know, made us understood, okay, I'm really saving a lot of time. How can I use this time in a different way? And also putting us in a situation to say, I'm not sure if I want to come back. I don't know if I want to compromise this time that I'm saving now. And so I think there's a big switch. Also now we are in this situation where companies start to say, okay, should we go back to the office? Should we stay as we are now? Should we have some hybrid uh, opportunities? And I see that this could be also a major switch in the work uh, in the work industry. You know, I can imagine maybe people refusing to go back to the office and going to companies where they offer flexible working hours and working from from home 100 100%. Yeah. I mean here in North America there's definitely you know what is defined here as the great resignation for what you exactly oh, yes. mentioned that people are saying hey I am able to find other jobs that might either have no need to go to the office at all or fewer days than what I'm currently in. And so you're absolutely right. Yes, I I think, I mean, to me, it's just amazing how being forced to switch overnight to working from home in many cases, how it became possible versus before people like, oh, you know, as you mentioned, the productivity, how do we know? How can we trust people, et cetera? So yeah, it, it, it's, it's really fascinating. And, um, you know, your thesis also had a practical part where you looked at many case studies from multiple European countries. And could you walk our listeners through, you know, these case studies and what you've learned from it? Yeah, for sure. I focused on different uh, practical examples of experiments that we had in in Europe. I started with the French case, which started in the beginning of the 2000s, where there was a switch from 40 hours a week to to 35. It was paid by the government and it was, uh, let's say, a long-term solution with the aim of increased the occupation level. And overall, this experiment had really good results as the French population had an increase in work-life balance satisfaction. Uh, But I would say that the con of this um, change was that it wasn't really thought deeply 
and they were they only found a solution for all the different industries. Uh, so this change had really bad implication for the hospital system because they couldn't create any, enough new working places. And so the uh, personnel there was overworked. Uh, so I would say that for that particular field, the bad consequences were more than the positive ones. Then there's a big German example, the one of Volkswagen, that in the end of the 90s uh, had to switch from a 40 hours week to a 20, 28. And um, it was made just in a temporary way to avoid a mass layoff. And it, this was paid by the by the employer, so it was a good investment, but we can say that it was the best decision for them because their employees were highly trained on that type of industry, so it would then be way difficult for them to find other occupation, and then also it would be non-convenient for the employee to lose these high-qualified employee and then have to train new ones. But this had some really interesting consequences, not really just in terms of uh, work and occupation and productivity, but I find that in this case, the most interesting results were on a social point of view, has um, we can say that the whole company used to live in the same small town and having this difference in working time and working day schedule had completely changed the whole life of this village. Also, the shop had to open in different time. And also uh, an interesting data is that the number of divorces registered after this, this change in working time went to the roof because people had more <laughs> spare time to spend with their family and it probably <laughs> it didn't it didn't work out that well then also another interesting uh, interesting experiment was the one of this belgian um, belgian company called fem which started in 2020 and it lasted one year and they went from a 36 working hour week to a 30 week. So I would say that overall, uh, this experiment bring really brought really good uh, results. But the interesting point in this is that this company is formed by 100% women. Hmm. And so they could see that even though the aim of this test was to get to a preferable, a more comfortable working week and also have more time to to have more free time they could see that especially in the heterosexual couples they could see that actually having more free time put them to a more unbalanced share of the unpaid labor. So has these women had more time, more free time compared to their men, 
to the spouse, they actually took more charge of the uh, domestic domestic work. So many of them, most of the uh, of the women that actually used to uh, live in a household with their partner, they actually prefer to go back to the old working time for this for this reason. And then the last example, which I think it's really, really relevant and really important because it's the newest one with the newest data as it lasted the last seven years, is the one from the town of Reykjavik in Iceland. So, so they decided to go from a 40 hours working week to a 35 one. They decided to do that because even though Iceland is one of the richest country in the world, the level of productivity was way lower compared to the other Nordic countries. And they also had a higher working hours and then also a very long expected working, working life. So this experiment started actually within the government and the people working with it within the government. And then after that, uh, they gave the opportunity to big businesses, but also to small businesses to participate in this, um, in this experiment. And after a couple of years, they've reached the 86% of the working population obtained a switch to a shorter working hour. And then they were also, what, what really makes the difference in this experiment compared to the other ones and what made this really successful, in my opinion, is that they had a task force that was focusing on creating and developing new strategies in way to reduce the working time in every industry. So that, that's also why this experiment was, in my opinion, really important because it wasn't only applied, let's say, on an industry, but it was applied to every kind of field, every kind of field, such as retail, schools, even police station, really in every workplace. So this I think the big learning from this experiment is that there's no ad hoc solution. We cannot say, let's just switch from 40 hours week to uh, 35 hours week. We cannot just say, um, there's, there's no one rule that can be applied to, um, to every, every job, but for every topic and even for the smaller smallest details we had to we should have to um, put some thinking into that i find it really fascinating what you said with regards to iceland to look at it for more on a like a, a whole um you know I, I say population or country basis or from a cultural perspective and so therefore like, you know, going what you said, that in some cases, if it is maybe somebody who is female, who has more time than one potential negative effect might be that indeed, the care work might be shifted more to it. But if you look at it on a, a big level, if everybody works fewer hours, then it might be 
more easily, you know, balanced to have a more equal care work, um, you know, method. The study that I found more shocking, speaking about uh, gender gaps, gender equality, was the study coming from the uh, European Commission, where actually they tried to compare on a different uh, working schedule of men. They tried to see how many hours were involved into the household duties. And they could see that actually, when they compared the this amount of hours uh, between the men working 40 hours and the men working 30 hours a week, they could see that there weren't a big difference in there. So it's not, I mean, from the data we have, we have until now, we cannot really say that the men will participate more on this unpaid labor if they were to work less. But this is also, you know, we have to ask ourselves, okay, is this happening? Because in any ways, women are working less. Would it make the difference if women would work the same, same amount of hours of, of men? This is, yeah, this is really that's interesting. It, it is really interesting. And, you know, I'm a big proponent, and that's why I talk to a lot of dead advocates, that we need to have more male role models doing care work, speaking about it, and demonstrating that anybody can do care work. And so that's somebody who might honestly simply have never had that experience that their respective dad, uncle, or some other male relative has taken care of children, that this is an okay thing to do. And that maybe in the beginning, it might be something um, difficult or unusual to do. And there might be quote unquote mistakes and like, you know, one forgets the diaper bag or whatnot, but everybody Mm -hmm. can learn this. And that it isn't something necessarily that is sort of automatically something that only, um, you know, women can do. And, um, you know, mm-hmm. and so that's like, you know, as we were talking a little bit about, you know, Nordic countries. So in Norway, um, one of my guests spoke about the fact that in um, preschools, there are many male preschool teachers. So really early on, the, the mindset is already there for the children being able to communicate with male um, preschoolers teachers but also for the parents because they see oh there is you know a male preschool teacher so it it becomes a more normal thing that anybody can do care work true true for sure and so now you know having people listening to us from you know business and an hr perspective what would you say as far as trying to attract and retain talent based on your research can you have maybe have three suggestions that you feel might help them? Um, in my opinion, what should be really considered by HR departments or business leaders, it's uh, flexibility, first of all. I think it's important to take in consideration that each one of us has different level of productivity, as we said, in different uh, time of the day. We have different needs and definitely there's the opportunity nowadays to find 
a different job or a different work that could be more aligned with uh, with our our priorities. And then something that definitely should be taken in consideration is the culture of the company, which doesn't mean, you know, as it's it's really common in Berlin to <laughs> to have companies that gives, you know, gym benefits, fruits and snacks, you know, in the office and Many could think that that's the culture, that's the benefit they could give you, but it's actually something else. I think uh, we we should give importance to the feedback culture, leadership culture, promotions, how can a company handle stressful situation and the importance that it's given not only to productivity and results, but also to the real well-being of, uh, of the employees. And then as last suggestion, I would say that innovation and giving opportunity, giving learning opportunities to the employees is something that nowadays it's really important as um, I think, you know, in the past generations, the aim was to have a secure job. So find a secure position where to spend, you know, 20 years, 30 years and be happy with this security. But nowadays, I think the big difference is that what this new generation wants to do is to take as much learning as possible from different companies to get in the end of the day, the more specialized one could be in a field. So it's really common to spend three for years or even just a couple of years in one company and then jump to to the next one and then i think the retention in this case you know is not just going to be related to salary even though it's really important but also what can keep an employee with his with its company it's definitely yeah as i said the flexibility that it's given the culture and the innovation and the opportunity to learn new new things as possible and you know so from your own experience you said you know you're italian living in berlin do you know so when you look at italy compared to germany and maybe the organizational cultures and how they maybe help new um, generations to come on board Have you, you know, do you know some example you could share from Italy potentially where you think that's something they have done extremely well or, you know, something surprising? I have to be honest, you know, I'm lucky that I have a German example. Uh Yeah, in this uh, in this industry where I think, you know, it's pretty, pretty innovative. Mm -hmm. And uh, unfortunately, I think that Italy, it's still a couple of years late, I would say. I know I spoke with some friends where, uh, you know, in the middle of the pandemic, working from home was was pretty difficult. There was still, you know, this uh, not trusting mentality to say, if I don't see you working, you're not working for real, which is unbelievable in my opinion. But, you know, I'm sure that there are uh, new realities uh, where this 
generation exchange already happened and where you don't have, uh, you know, the, the stereotype of businessmen being uh, in the top hierarchy of, uh, of this company. Um, yeah, you know, with inno innovative uh, mindset. Uh, but yeah, I would, I would say that I'm happy here. <laughs> <laughs> I am happy here in Germany for the moment, you know, maybe in, in a couple of years, I will think about going there, going there or why not, you know, being the one bringing this new mentality there, who knows, who knows, but for the moment, uh, it's what it is, yes. Thank you so much for sharing, Carlotta. Now, um, as we're coming towards the end of our conversation, I want to make sure Is there anything else you would like to share with our listeners that we have not covered yet? Definitely. What, uh, what I would like to say is that, you know, going back to the uh, reducing working time, uh, I would say that the big change didn't happen yet because there's no pressure for this as there wasn't pressure before the pandemic to start working from home, to find new ways of working. In the same way, now there's no pressure to change this working time. And I, I'm also sure that we cannot wait for institution or, you know, politician to take, um, take, take part in this change, in these changes. So I'm sure that this revolution is going to be driven by, youth and from new business owners or you know open-minded people so I wish and invite everyone that has the opportunity to at least experiment this to give it a try just to give it a try let's see how it goes we have nothing to lose we could we have seen that we can change our working habits really fast so Let's let's try to 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 give it a try. That I, I love that, you know, be brave to face uncertainty. And the worst thing exactly. is, well, it was a you know unsuccessful experiment, and but we've learned something from it. Exactly. Totally. And now Carlotta, how can people find you? People could reach me on LinkedIn looking for Carlotta Dal Pozzo. And I would be really, really happy to connect with like-minded people. And maybe one day we will create this revolution together. <laughs> That sounds wonderful. I really do. You know, I, I'm a big, as you know, big proponent of flexible work of every type. So thank you so much, Carlotta, for being on the show. It was wonderful having you. Thank you. Thanks to you, Karin, for having taken the time to have me here. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the show. We hope you gained valuable insights and new ideas. To keep listening to future episodes, please head over to iTunes or your favorite player and subscribe and give it a rating. We would very much appreciate a review and for you to share it on social media so more people can start innovating in how they offer employment. Until the next time, goodbye.